Now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. Matt Mosley Show and uh, Drake Toll alongside doing his thing. Aaron Sexton as well. Mike Craven, Dave Campbell's Texas football. Uh, joining us, senior writer, I should add, on the Matt Mosley Show. And, uh, Mike, it's almost here, football season. I mean, the off season, you've had some great lists, some great rankings, but I know you're probably ready for the real deal to start up. And uh, are you getting excited? I, I saw you were writing about some uh, week zero action involving uh, UTEP. And, um, and uh, what do we got, Jack State? Uh, also, I mean, are you getting kind of fired up for the real deal? Yeah, finally here. You know, I told uh, my family goodbye and that I'll see them <laughs> in, in anywhere. Um, so yeah, it's exciting. I mean, you can only make up listicles for so long in the off season. And, you know, every January I kind of always go like, man, how am I going to get to September and get the content through and kind of stay active? And, you know, then it comes around and it's like, all right, here it is. And, and we're ready to go. So it's going to be an exciting year across the state. Yeah, and uh, there's just so much to uh, look at as this thing starts. I, the one thing I love about the list is that it kind of gets it gets me thinking about, like, the Bearcats, Sam Houston State, like what they're up to. And it kind of reminds me of what all these teams going into different conferences. I mean, that's a really interesting aspect of it. But I bet, Mike, those fan bases just love it, right? When you put a UNT kid at number whatever, 11 or 12, and you're you're saying like the most important players in the state, and then the Longhorns get mad at you because oh my gosh, you got Quinn Ewers. I mean, this guy should be the most important man in the world, and I think you had him at like I don't know twenty two or something like that. Um, I I think that's kind of the interesting thing about all that. Did you get a little blowback from any of the Longhorns uh, about where you had uh, Ewers on that list? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I tend to get the most blowback from Texas and Texas A&M because it gets interpreted as a, a best players in, in the state list mm-hmm. instead of or when we do our power rankings, I try to I try to look at it as like a pound-for-pound pound boxing list, right? Like, is UTSA better than Texas? You know, no. You know, UTSA lost to Texas last year, but UTSA also won a conference title, and so, mm-hmm. you know, in their division with their peers, they're the better football team, and now, I think it's harder and harder to remember that football is as important at a, at a team that may not play for a national championship as it is with a team that, that will. And, you know, at Dave Campbell's at the high school side, they do a great job of covering 2A football or 4A football the same as they cover 6A football. And I try to remember that and do that on the college side and be the place that, you know, covers G5 football. You know, we have a full-time non-FBS writer who covers – you know, Mary Harden Baylor and Trinity and the D3 level. And, you know, so we try to cover college football um, and, and as much of a, you know, uh, you know, well, well suited way as we can. Mike, uh, looking at the, the Dave, Dave Campbell's Texas football rankings here, put you on the spot a little bit. UTSA at five, and you touched on that a little bit. You know, UTSA not as good as Texas, but maybe they are for their conference. But you got them at five, SMU at six, Baylor at seven. So you're telling me if, ba- if Baylor and UTSA played right now, and a lot of a lot of other national guys would probably agree with these rankings that the Baylor Bears would lose to the UTSA Roadrunners this season. I think it'd be a pretty close money line. Your UTSA you know, like, Roadrunners, might I add. Yeah, that that is true. I may be a little biased here, but 
you know, UTSA <laughs> is, a, is a pick them at Houston, and I know Baylor's right. better than Houston on, on paper, but, you know, UTSA is a good football team, and I, I would just say that I give UTSA a better chance of winning the American than I do Baylor winning the Big 12. And so uh, if it's pretty even to me, that's kind of like my defining factor or my coin flip thing. But I also think it's important to admit that I don't know anything any more than anybody else, right? These are subjective yeah. lists to have fun and create conversations in August. And so I'm not going to sit here and act like I, I know exactly what's going on. But I do think UTSA is going to be a really good football team if Frank Harris is healthy and they have a chance to, to walk into the American and, and, and win that conference. Uh, but if we're talking in December and Baylor goes 10-2, and two, I'm also not shocked, right? Like they have the talent to do so, and they proved in 2021 that they can rebound you know, from a poor year. So uh, that's why I said I think it's going to be a, a really great year, and it's my favorite part of the job is I kind of get to eagle-eye look at all of these teams and not be just in one you know, beat or whatever. I get to kind of float in and out of, of all 13 FBS markets across the state. Mike, what I saw I saw you from afar at Media Days of those new teams. Who is the mo- who is are you most intrigued by? Because we all try to figure out who's going to have the most immediate impact. When Utah gets here in 2024, we think they'll arrive with some some you know uh, they'll be ready to roll. I mean they've got the you know they've got the back to back Pac-12 titles. But of these four new teams, it's kind of hard to say sometimes with UCF and their past. BYU's probably best prepared for the schedule it's played. Which of the four teams right now do you think hits the ground and has the best chance to to pull off some of these upsets? Yeah, yeah. If we're just talking in 2023, maybe even 2024, give me UCF. You know, like I, I think that they're they've won. You know, Gus Malzahn um, ha, has won at the Power Five level, so this won't be anything new uh, to them. UCF has a huge fan base with how many you know students they just have and they graduate. I also think it's going to be a tough place to play because it's going to be a longer flight and a little bit different circumstances uh, than maybe most of the Big 12 markets are in. And so a little bit like West Virginia, but a better team where it's just kind of a funky road trip and that may throw some teams off. So I think UCF, you know, if we flash forward to December, uh, I, I would take UCF to be the highest one in the standings of those, those four teams. I think long-term though, you know, Cincinnati, Houston, like you mentioned, when Utah joins in, I think the Big 12 gets really, really interesting with the markets that they've added. Mike Craven with us here from Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Mike, you talk about Utah, those new teams coming in from the Pac-12. Will we see a day in even the next couple of years where the star prospect from Houston or Dallas or Lubbock picks a Utah and Arizona and Arizona State over a Texas Tech or a TCU? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. I mean, NIL makes anything possible, right? And I think a lot of those staffs have, have put Texas forward. You know, Arizona State has Rashad Samples on their on their uh, coaching staff, Brian Carrington on their coaching staff. They're already recruiting Texas really well. I think they have like six or seven commits uh, in the 2024 class from Texas. So uh, I think those teams have already made Texas a focus. And now that they get to play in the state probably a couple times a year, at least once a year, you know, that's going to help convince mom to let them go to Utah, let them go to Arizona or wherever the case may be. So, yeah. you know, when A&M went to the SEC, we absolutely saw Alabama and Georgia and Florida have more success in Texas than they had before. And I'd imagine when you know some of these Big 12 teams join in the conference, they're going to have more success in Texas than they ever had before. And it's just going to make it you know harder and harder to recruit inside of a state that's probably already the hardest to recruit in already. You're letting Dion into texas Mm -hmm. and let's not act like he wasn't already there 
and that's going to be interesting. And then you're you're letting him into Fort Worth to start the season. I mean, it's just he'll do all kinds of stuff that weekend. I mean, what it, it's exciting. They could win two games. They could win as many as maybe six or seven games. But it's just crazy to see this much interest in the Buffaloes. And they were the ones who led the way into the Big 12. And uh, it's just fascinating. 13 years later, they come back to us. They just needed Texas to leave, right? I mean, now maybe, Mike, you get Mizzou and Nebraska. Just bring them all back. But that's, that's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, but it's also true. I mean, Texas was the reason so many of those schools, including A&M, left. And it, it's funny, as Colorado comes back, it's as Texas is leaving. Yeah, it's like a, a pro golf shop where you refuse to go back because you don't like one of the members, and now that member's gone, so you're able to kind of go back <laughs> to favorite favorite golf course. And I think the Deion Sanders thing is, is going to be – I mean, obviously he's good for football in terms of, like, getting eyeballs on a conference. And, and for a conference that's trying to find an identity post-Texas and post-Oklahoma to kind of the national crowd. I mean, I think people who love Big 12 football are going to continue to love Big 12 football. It's, it's my favorite conference to watch. But I think on a national level they're going to look for an identity in Dion. Uh, can kind of allow eyeballs into it. Uh, I'm fascinated to see how coaches coach against them. Like, does Sonny try to blow them out? Like, if yeah. if it's 42 to 10 and he would normally take his foot off the gas, is he going to try to make it 70 to 10 because he knows Dion's going to attack the portal and try to get some of his players and and be good on the recruiting trail? Do these player do these coaches try to take advantage of, of Sanders these first couple of years when they feel like the roster is weakened? I, I'm super fascinated to see how that all plays out and what Dion brings to the Big 12 in com- in combination with Brett Yormark and how he seems to kind of lean into the you know world of professional wrestling and you know uh, putting out pose <laughs> and, and having fun and I enjoy that I think that's really good for the Big 12. You know I'm glad you're a man of logic when it comes to this whole Quinn Ewers conversation because as I, I and I've said it all off season his numbers are not that far off from Blake Shapen who. Baylor fans are screaming should be benched. And you, you add in the caveat of Ewers being injured, but he never once blew me away outside of what he played in that Alabama game. Only had a, a 2,100 yards and a 58% completion percentage. What are the odds that Quinn Ewers and thus the Texas Longhorns actually bust in 2023? It's a, it's a great question. And, it, and it's one that, you know, I don't have a, a tremendous answer to. I'd be lying to you if I, I told you. I, all I know is I watched the kid in recruiting, and I know a lot of good quarterback coaches, and I know Riley Dodge, and they all swear yeah. that he's one of the best talents that they've ever been around. And I think we need to remember that last year was the first time Quinn Ewers was a starting quarterback since he was a junior in high school. Um, but to the injury point, he hasn't played a full season since he was a sophomore in high school. That junior year, you know, he struggled through injuries, missed some games, and, and was hampered in that state championship game against Westlake. So you know maybe injuries are, are a part of the package. Um, uh, but Texas is so talented that I don't think they need Quinn Ewers to be Trevor Lawrence or one of those guys to to go win the Big 12. Like that offensive line averages 20 starts a, a person up front. Yeah. That receiver core is is absolutely tremendous. I mean, their tight end is going to be a first round draft pick. The defense is super talented. They bring in Jalen Catalan, Jalen Ford still there. I mean, there is no this to me. The Texas season comes down to Steve Sarkeesian and if he's mature enough to handle a week in week out you know, football pressure, right? I mean, you saw the Alamo Bowl thing and, and some of that stuff, right? You just wonder if he's able to do something that he's never done as a head coach, and that's win 10 games and play for a conference title. So I think Quinn's going to be fine. My biggest question for Texas is kind of 
you know, the head coach and how that program that hasn't handled the expectations well in a long time handles them. Isn't that interesting? Emotionally mature. You're talking about Sark, who's probably, what, 50 years old. And I think it's a fair point. Graded Alabama as an assistant. Hasn't really done it as a head coach. It seems to be loaded this year in a Big 12 that might be down a little bit. And and I think that's an interesting thing to, to think about. Uh, is, is Sark ready to uh, to handle this because if you go back to Washington and you see how he flamed out at USC, um, he's just never done it. But I don't know when's the last time he had this loaded of a roster. I'm sure he put some very talented groups together at USC and other places, but this is uh, top to bottom, like you said. You honestly kind of need a caretaker quarterback. Now, that's that may not be yours. I mean, that's the only problem. I mean, yours at some point, it's going to feel like I got to I got to get the ball downfield. I got all these weapons, and can he stay consistent? And if it goes poorly at any time, people are going to start screaming for the next guy, which Arch is going to be, you know, hanging in the, uh, you know, he's going to be. Everybody's already thinking about him. Yeah, I mean, Texas is sixteen seven and two in the first half under Stark. You know, like they they've been a really good football team for for most of, of the games he's coached. Um, you know, they just have blown it in the second half. And some of that's game plan, some of that's play calling. Like, you go back and you look at the Oklahoma State second half, and it was criminal how far, how they were pushing the ball down the field. I mean, they had the lead. They have two NFL running backs, and they're chunking it down the field in bad weather. Like, some of that's on the coach to not take those chances and to, and to know, now, hey, this isn't a video game. Just because I, I'm calling a play that's making a guy open doesn't mean the quarterback's going to hit that dude. Let me just give the ball to Bajon Robinson. And so, I just think it's it's one of those deals where you talk to these head coaches a lot, and they talk about how you're not supposed to get too high and you're not supposed to get too low, and you're supposed to drive the bus as the head coach. And Sark has just you know never done it. This is this is going to be year ten for him as a head coach. Uh, to your point, I think this is his best chance to do it. Right, the roster is loaded, the Big Twelve is wide open. Uh, it's up to him and the leaders of that team to kind of drive the bus and be more mature about it. Well. We're going to find, I mean, I think this is a referendum on Sark, right? Like, uh, we're going to have a good definition of who Steve Sarkeesian is as a head coach after this football season. Mike, uh, Blake Shapin, you got a, a similar situation with Sawyer Robertson behind him, kind of breathing down his neck as somebody a lot of Baylor fans like. It, it, and this is putting you on the spot. Is Blake Shapin still the starting quarterback of the Baylor Bears in week six? I think so. I, I think Shapin's going to have a step forward as a quarterback and, and, and be really good. Um, you know, I look at that Baylor squad last year, and I, I think we talk way too much about the offense. Like, in 2021, when they were winning 12 games in the Big 12 championship in the Sugar Bowl, they weren't scoring a bunch of points. They averaged about the exact same amount of points last year as they did in 2021. Uh, but that defense never allowed more than 30 points. The only time they did was TCU, and they lost that game right at 30 points, right? And so... Uh, to me, this is more about Matt Pallage and that defense getting back to what it was in 2021 because Baylor's never going to be the team uh, that wins 48-10, right? They're trying to win 27-20, to 27-7, and just, you know, kind of grind you into dust. And uh, So I think Blake Schaefer's going to be fine for that. I think he's got more talent around him this year at the wide receiver position and at the running back position. And if the defense takes a step forward with guys like Mike Smith and, and Byron Bonds, uh, and the front seven, I, and that, that young secondary goes for. I think that's going to be a bigger determining factor over Blake Shapin. But maybe that, that's me just being higher on on Shapin than a lot of guys are. Mike Craven, great uh, visiting with you. When you write one of these cover stories and do all this Texas football, do they at least send you, like, 
several copies? Do you have like 50 copies uh, there in your house, or what's that situation like? Or do you are you you still have to go to the the bookstore, or the grocery store, and buy one? I, I I sense that they may send you a few. Yeah, they they uh, I, I got to hook up. Uh, they take care of me. All right. So I'm not. I'm I'm swimming in magazines. If you need one, let me know. <laughs> Bring if you come to Baylor, we could always use a few extras. I have one. Uh, I got a good story. By the way, you could you could do at some point. Baylor has. Jacob Zeno, former uh, San Antonio star. Uh, Gary Bohannon, now in South Florida. Zeno's with UAB. Kyron Drones, I think he's at Virginia Tech. And then C.J. Rogers, who you don't have starting at Texas State, but he's in the mix there. So there is a possibility of like four former Baylor quarterbacks starting for other teams across the country this year. I'm sure Baylor doesn't have the market cornered on that, but it does seem like a lot. And then one of their former commits we thought would start for Georgia Tech, but he, he just lost the job the other day. Um, and, um, oh, who is that, Drake? Oh, Pyron. Zach, Zach Pyron. Pyron. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, keep that in mind. Um, Mike, I just want to be here for you if you need any uh, story ideas. Hey, I, I will always take pitches. You can always get, get me at, at with the pitches. I'm, I'm always here for ideas. <laughs> hey, appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, sir. Talk to you all later. Okay. Mike Craven, the uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine.